Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look into first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, filling in for Josh Lindsay again. Uh, and with us here again is the first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Jason. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good, 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 good. I'm missing Josh. He's supposed to be here. He said he would be late, but 24 minutes late is kind of late. He may <laughs> pop in and show up, but regardless, we have a fantastic guest today. And so I think we ought to just go ahead and get started. Yeah, why don't you introduce us to our guest? Yeah, so this is Emily Mixter. Emily is the graphic designer currently for The Girl Who Wore Freedom. She's a fantastically talented young lady that um, I really wanted to introduce people to. And I just have found her to be so incredibly talented and awesome. I realized that we hadn't talked about graphic design and how important that was to a film and why. And I thought that Emily might be the perfect guest to be able to help us with that. So hi, Emily, welcome. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, tell how you and I met and then how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, that was a great introduction. Um, I am excited to be here and talk about all things graphic design for the girl who wore freedom. Like Christian said, I do graphic design in my day job too. It's not just a hobby. So I do um, like to do volunteer projects like this to help boost the skills and kind of remind me like the passion behind why I do what I do, which is why I love this project so much is because I am so passionate about it. Um, Christian dragged me into it about, I don't know, five months ago now. I don't know how time works this year, but it's been a while. Right <laughs> and, um, I do know, I do remember. Um, I, like, I, I saw you on LinkedIn because I think you either had just gotten a new job, um, which I, and I was congratulating you or something like that. And at that point, I didn't know you were doing graphic design when I first met you when you were like four um, <laughs> or I'm exaggerating. I think when you were, you know, somewhere in your teens, you wanted to be a producer and you were interested in that. And so I was surprised to find on LinkedIn that you had moved into the graphic art field uh, and at that time, we really didn't have a graphic designer. And so I asked you, I think, would you be willing to consider volunteering? Yeah, and I was definitely willing to. It was right between jobs because, you know, 2020 is a weird year, <laughs> to say the least. So I jumped in, got to help with the Girl Who Work Freedom branding, kind of helped do some stuff for our website and just kind of lend a hand wherever graphic design was needed. Yeah, and our graphic design, um, you know, journey has been very interesting. The one reason I wanted to bring you on is there are first-time filmmakers listening to this and maybe some that are further along in their journey, but I know from the very beginning, graphic design should be a part of the initial discussions of any project. Um, we've talked about this before, that a film is really no different than a business. And the same is true. Whenever you're creating a business, you need to think you know, very early on about your brand and your look and your feel. So why don't you talk to us about the why is that so important and how does one go about figuring all that out? Yeah, so a film is like a business, but a film is also a story. And so you want to help communicate that story to your audience as quickly as possible, even before they like see the film or are able to see the film, right? So when you're thinking about what your brand is and what your look and feel is, that's what's going to like 
connect with people and stay in their heads for a long time. So when we were building the Girl Who Wore Freedom brand, we were like, what kind of feel do we want to leave with our audience? What do they want to know about our film? Um, what are things that they should like understand just from looking at a visual of our logo or our title graphics that like convey what this film and what this journey is all about? Yeah, so our journey was interesting in that when we first started, um, we did have an initial partner who uh, brilliantly came up with the design of Danny in her dress, an old picture, which was, you know, uh, taken in 1945. And then he colorized the dress and he also, you know, came up with a girl who wore freedom um, word wording. And those were the first things off of those, the rest of our about, um, branding was built. But then his family life situation and circumstances took him away from the project completely, and he wasn't really able to help us anymore. And so we just, we brought on somebody who helped us sort of in this um, weird gap period, who was able just to take some of his stuff and um just kind of keep adapting it, but it began to lose its integrity. And when we needed completely new stuff designed, we didn't really have a graphic designer trained for that. So when you came on, we were in the process of starting our film festival run and there were new things we needed. So when we started that run, I didn't know we needed a horizontal movie poster. And we needed that for a lot of things. So you had to create that from scratch. And then I didn't realize that we'd be winning so many laurels and that every time we'd have to have a new laurel created and then we would have to have it put on a whole bunch of different things. So, I mean, you've been busy doing that along with like, oh, I just realized this shirt that I'm wearing, you also That's designed. logo. Yeah. And it started as a favicon, which I didn't even know is a thing. Why don't you even tell us what that is? Yeah, so on your website, a website is where really the, like the digital highlight of your brand. And so in that little like, I don't know what to call it, the little tiny image at like the top of the tab of a website is the something interesting. And if you're a person like me who has like 50 tabs open at one time, it's very helpful to have an interesting favicon so you can find the website you want to be on again. Yeah, so she designed this as our favicon and oh my goodness guess who's able to join us it's josh Lindsay. hold on i'm gonna let him in uh yeah so emily i don't know if you have met josh before have you met josh Lindsay before i don't think we've met before so josh Lindsay, i've known for quite a while his wife lived in our house for a long time he too used to work for phil visher um so there's always some tie-in it seems with phil and veggie tales um but this is Josh Lindsay, and uh, he is one of our normal co-hosts. Josh, this is Emily Mixter. She is the graphic designer for The Girl Who Wore Freedom. Uh, we're so happy you're here with us. And we've been Hi. talking a little bit about uh, the importance of graphic design and sort of the things that Emily has been doing for us. So, Emily, talk about when you came on board, the needs that you saw what you saw was lacking and sort of what you've done as you've come on our team. Yeah, so you mentioned a little bit about that really cool image we had of Danny in the photo with the colored dress and it's like really iconic and really powerful. 
But the problem I saw was we were a little limited by that when I came on is that was kind of our only significant like visual marker for our brand. And so I had to do some thinking and some creative work to figure out how can I expand that into other platforms and how can we keep that feeling of Danny and that feeling of that image in different contexts. For example, like you talked about the favicon, right? Like you can't have a photo as a favicon because it's way too little. So we figured out as Christian's modeling well on the t-shirt, how to take Danny and like change it into a different kind of graphic that still feels like it's a part of the girl who wore freedom brand that was already established, but just kind of expands it a little bit. So that's what a lot of my work was joining the team was expanding the brand to fit our new needs and to think about how we can take that same feeling and those same like general themes of like, we are not changing it from red, white, and blue. This is a film about USA and France. We're not going to change the color scheme, but how do we like expand that color scheme and become more consistent? So we're using the same kinds of blues all the time and the same reds everywhere. So it just becomes a little more cohesive and a little more um, broad for us to use in any kind of context that we needed to. Yeah. And what I found interesting is I've been working with you and we've had to create posters and we've had to create t-shirt stuff and we've had to create, uh, you know, postcards. There are different sizes and files and, you know, all sorts of stuff that's needed that I never understood before. But it seems like you graphic people have all these programs that we don't normally use and speak a language that we don't normally understand. Um, talk to me about the programs that you use and why everything is so different. Yeah, so the programs I'm using to design generally are what's known as the Adobe Creative Cloud. So there's about three different programs that I use a lot of the time. I use Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, and Adobe InDesign. Um, for like simplification sake, basically one of those is for print, one of those is for photos, and one of those is for everything else. And so that's kind of how I use those programs in my day to day. And what Christian's talking about, about like speaking a different language, for example, like when you're sending stuff to print, if you want a postcard that has like an image that goes all the way to the edge, you have to send it to print with something called a bleed on it so that the printer can print it on a bigger piece of paper and then crop it down and your image will still look correct and not actually be like cut off the side. So figuring out how to set up all of those files was something I was a part of doing just to make sure that when we look at something as a PDF on your computer, it'll look the same when you get it in print. And so I was a part of helping make sure that all of those pieces got ironed out as we sent things to different printers, as we sent things to different um, manufacturing companies and vice versa. Well, and also once we get to the distribution part of it, I know I've looked at distribution deliverables recently, they're going to want all of those native files. And so mm -hmm. what's been great is I can say, okay, Emily, I know that when a distributor is going to ask us for all these files because either they will use our branding or they'll take those files and tweak them for their own rebranding, right? And it's been great that I have been able to turn that over to you and you've been able to take charge of that for me. Um, so like one of a logical question is, you know, we figured out our relationship. We've known each other for a long time, but what should a filmmaker look for when they're hiring somebody to help them with their project? Yeah, I think 
one of the most important things is get someone who's excited about your project. Like your project is the most exciting thing to you and you want a team that shares that, which sounds really obvious, but like, it's so important for you as a designer to know what like it feels like to love this film because you have to communicate that visually. And if you don't love the film, you can't, it's a lot harder to fake it. And so I always appreciate when you're hiring people that they're passionate about the project you're working on. And then think about someone who's versatile too and who might be comfortable doing stuff for print and for web because we do a lot of social media promotion for the girl who wore freedom. So I'm comfortable doing that and I know how to design things for social media, but I can also design things like our press packets or our posters that are gonna be things that are seen in physical print form. So thinking about someone who might be able to um, like handle both sides of it, or if you're considering like divvying up those parts and kind of prioritizing print or web, think about what materials you might need when you're design getting a graphic designer. Because if you get someone who can only design web and then you need to have a lot of posters made, that might not be the best fit for your project. That is a good suggestion. I do think that's what's been amazing about you, Emily, is it didn't matter if I asked you to help me with a shirt or a web page or a postcard or a poster or a quote graphic for social media um, or anything else, you've been able to pivot and do those things and keep the branding the same across all of those. Um, you're also a team player. What I uh, think people should uh, look for when they're looking to hire a graphic design person is, are, do they play well with others? Um, one thing I've loved is you're um, very patient at explaining to people what you need or how they can help you do what you need to do or train another person that we're bringing on to kind of share some of your responsibilities. And um, that's a gift and a skill that I think um, really sets you apart. So I would certainly recommend people look for, for that quality. Yeah, along with being a team player, I think the word like humility comes up when you're thinking about a graphic designer is because like my job is to help you execute your vision for the film and to help the film come to life. And like having a sense of humility as a designer is really important because you don't want someone who thinks like they're entitled to have the best way or the highway kind of thing. Like you want someone who's willing to work together and collaborate with the rest of the creative people on your team because everyone's a creative and everyone has a good idea and you want to have someone who's willing to take those in and listen and make adjustments as needed. Is it hard when you are given critiques or redirects when you've created something? I mean, yeah. I had a boss during um, undergrad who used to always tell us it's a little dramatic, but he was like, you have to learn how to kill your babies because you can get really attached to designs that you make or whatever creative thing you're making. And you just have to accept that like you are not your work and people are not critiquing you just because they want you to tweak stuff like they want it to be the best it can be and you want to deliver that for them. So you kind of have to put your pride in a corner every once in a while. Which is where the humility comes into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Josh and Jason, you guys have been listening to this. Do you have any other questions to ask? Well, how important is time management? Would you say, Emily, is it important to plan your day out, know when you're supposed to be where? And for example, me, I, I had no idea what time it was 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and, uh, 
Is it different yeah. in the world of design by chance? <laughs> I mean, I think it's important no matter what to not be 24 minutes late to your own podcast. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's talk definitely... about you. Talk about you. Um, <laughs> You're right. I'm so sorry. We're taking. Hey, listen, um, to be fair, in Josh's defense, <laughs> Josh told us he was going to be late today, a did, little late today. <laughs> but at the 24-minute mark, I was like, maybe we should just go ahead. <laughs> the word, it's all, it's all relative. Little could mean, you know. Well, anything. I think the great thing that Josh explained is time management is important, but even more important when you're working on a team or especially for us on a virtual team is communicating when you are managing your time and you're saying, hey, I might not be able to get to that today, but I will have it to you by this time. Or if not, I will update you before that time and tell you that I'm extending it again and just kind of over communicating how you're managing your time. Because I think time management is really an individual skill, but that team skill is communicating like, hey, I did see your message. I'm not able to get to it right now, but I'm not ignoring you. I'm just going to get back to it later. I have a question for Christian. How, and if you cover this, I apologize. But how does having uh, a graphic designer and having designs, how does it overlap with when you have a distribution deal? Uh, I mean, do, what kind of say do they have in like, well, if we're going to be distributing your film, we, we need to send images that we want to send or are they just going to ask whatever you got? Well, again, we're still in that process, but in the distributors that we have been talking to, um, it looks like to me, they can kind of brand however they want because we have to give them the, we have to give them li license, the rights to use everything we have to make the sale for our film in whatever way they feel they can do it best. And so they may not feel that the branding we have created will be the most effective for the way they want to market our film to buyers or whatever. And so just like she's talking about having humility in her own design, yeah, our branding, I think, has worked amazing for us on a lot of different levels. Um, and so if they're going to come in and basically redesign everything, that's going to be a little bit painful. But the end result is they want to sell, you know, our film and we want them to, too. That is the end result. And so they are in that business of getting our film sold to a broadcast channel or streaming service, and we're going to have to trust them. So in signing that deal, we, we will sign over those rights for those things, which is weird. It feels weird. It's like you take your... Take your baby, you take what you've been working on, you've been cultivating for such a long time, and then you give it to somebody and say, okay, well, do your best, do what you got to do. You have my permission to do whatever you need to do to make sure we make some money. And then they kill your baby. <laughs> and then they kill your baby. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, Josh was funny. Um, I mean, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but he sent me an email this week like, hey, Christian, what's the end game here? I mean, you're supposed to be a first-time filmmaker. You're, you've made your film. You know, you're kind of getting to the end of things. How, where is this going to go? And I have to be honest. I have been thinking about that same thing. But as I thought through the process, there's still so much more to go for a first-time filmmaker. I mean, I really am a first-time filmmaker. Maker until I guess I start my next film, but 
really, I don't feel like I will have been successful until my film is either playing on the History Channel or American Heroes Channel or wherever it is, or on some streaming service where somebody can watch it. And that is still a journey that I'm going to be on, you know, hopefully not more than another six months or so, but who knows? And um, I hope pretty soon we will be able to get to talking about the distribution part of it. Um, that is the next big hurdle for us, um, finding out exactly what that means and what that looks like. Um, so, Emily, I do want to get back to one thing that you were saying before, which was that communication piece. Uh, I want to give you a huge shout out because I think you have mastered that. One of the things I've loved about the way you've worked with us is that you are very clear about your boundaries. And so I remember one meeting, you're basically like, you know what? I don't mind doing this, but I just don't want to feel like everything is an emergency. And that was that was great communicating because I didn't realize I needed to say, hey, this isn't an emergency. This is the timeline. We don't need this until then. You know, I think that was a good moment of clarification for both of us, but it taught me that I needed to be careful about what I said needed to be done. And, and then you have always are quick to get back and say, yes, I can do this, but this is my timeline when I can do it. And if I can't complete it by then, I'll get back to you. And um, I think that's been very helpful to make our team running run more smoothly. So I just want to say thank you for that. You're welcome. So any other questions? Uh, I think the one question I have, Jason, I'm thinking about your projects or your little things that you have started. And yours is animation. And mm -hmm. so at some point, I mean, have you thought about the branding and like, yours would be totally different. So what kind of person would you hire to do your branding? Yeah, so we're, we're kind of in that that stage right now. Um, with one of our projects, we kind of have, you know, this is what the pitch deck looks like. And we've sorted that out and I've done most of the design there. And so for uh, the next project we're looking at, we're trying to figure out what that branding looks like. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely, I, I would be curious to hear, Emily, if you had gotten to come on at the very beginning of the girl who wore freedom and got to set everything yourself. Is there anything you would have changed from the start as to where it is now? Is there anything that looks different? Because I'm kind of in that phase for my next project. So what, yeah. what are some things to look out for? Yeah, I think one of the biggest hurdles we had to overcome was just like being so attached to our title graphic being the only thing we really had. So when you're branding a film, I would caution you against making like, your title graphic, the only thing you have, right? Because the title graphic is important, like don't get me wrong, but it can't be your only thing. You have to think about outside of that. Okay, how are we gonna build it? Also like the title graphic might not look so good in like a small little square on my Facebook profile. So like, how could I think about what could work in that context? And also, I don't know if I would change anything else, but I just would have thought through it a little bit more now knowing how expansive things get. And I don't think we knew that this time around was like thinking about, okay, this expands a lot bigger than where it is. So let's have room to grow with the brand. Even if you don't define everything right away, you just kind of have a game plan of like, okay, I know this can get bigger because I have established basic things like colors, for example, like 
in the early stages, we had like a lot of different versions of the same of blue. It wasn't the same blue everywhere, which like is not a big deal to most people. I understand, but I spent a lot of time looking at colors. And so I was like, <laughs> we're going to use this blue everywhere now. This is our blue. <laughs> and so like deciding those little things early on saves you a lot of headache later when you're trying to like grow into your brand. So would you pick like a palette and a font or like some of the main things that are like, this is, these are our yeah. major pick plan. a color palette, pick an easy font that you think is going to work in a lot of places. And then maybe a couple visual ideas. Maybe you don't have to get like everything hammered down, but think like, okay, I have my title graphic. I have a logo and I have an idea for what, how those could work in a poster. Those are probably your starter like deliverables you need to work on. But I do think it's interesting, you know, Jason, from where you are to where we are now, I had no idea how much graphic stuff I was going to need. I did not <laughs> understand. And, and, and that goes like I knew I needed a pitch packet in the beginning to present to people. But that pitch packet has had to be reinvented 5,000 times, it seems, because I'm pitching it to different people. So, for example, when we're looking for corporate sponsors, we've made a corporate sponsor pitch to Boeing and we've made another one to Michelin. And every single time that packet had to be reinvented. It had to be rewritten. So it seemed like, you know, every time I sent a new thing, I needed somebody to lay out stuff for me. And, and that's all the way up to today, you know, and I just think that you have to understand that when you're creating something in the very beginning, it is a, you really should work with somebody who's a professional who can see the end game and understands things, you know, where it's going to grow to and be able to be flexible that way. So Christian, uh, I'm curious if you have, even if it's just like a, a stripped down version of those corporate pitches, do you have those publicly available for anyone who listens to the podcast and wants to, you know, see what that looks like? Because if they're thinking of doing something similar, are those anywhere anyone could see them? That's a great question. As of right now, they are not. Um, but m what we have done, we built our website um, and, and a, a, a graphic designer for a website is hugely important. You have web designers that can build them and sure they can make them look fine. But Emily would come along and say, hey, you know what? I can make this look really super fabulous. And I'm thinking about our D-Day celebration page that she had a huge part in where she did all of the design and the webmaster just implemented it. So what we have done is we spent so much time working on our website that we then took a lot of that content and a lot of that stuff and that's what we implemented and laid out into the pitch packet. But, um, you know, pitch things are so different for every project. And usually they start with a treatment, which is a one page, here's a log line and here's my idea, you know, and then they can go into pitch decks or pitch books that include pictures or whatever. Um, so, you know, we could put some examples up there. Not a bad idea. I will say on the press tab of our website, if you go to the girlwhowarefreedom.com slash press, there are press notes there that are downloadable that Emily designed. And so that is where when we go to a film festival, our publicists will say all of our press notes, our photos and our trailers are downloadable at this press tab. And so that gives them easy access to information 
that they can put in their newspapers or whatever they're doing. I do want to bring up one problem that we have had or that we're discovering now with our branding. And I'm not exactly sure how to solve this problem, but we've done some market research and we have discovered that there are a lot of guys who aren't so thrilled about wearing our currently branded merchandise, you know, like a shirt like this. Hunter is not going to wear this, you know. And we do have some that just say the girl who wore freedom on it. But we've been doing interesting studies in our store. One of them last week was we dropped all of the prices in our store to like five cents above um, cost to see if anybody would buy anything. And nobody did. And really you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how can we use the shop items to bring in some revenue. And one of the things Hunter then determined was basically nobody really wants to buy the things that we have. And so we, if we're going to try to use the shop to generate revenue, we need to think about other things to put in our shop that other people would buy. Um, and in, in particular, like, you know, we want we think that modern day service members could be a market that we could break into. Well, then we need to include items in our shop that they would purchase with branding that, that they would be comfortable wearing. And so um, we did bring on uh, an understudy for Emily named Will Shadler, who's a guy um, and Hunter is working with him to create some more masculine type stuff. So that is a problem that I never anticipated from the beginning. I will put it out there that it's not because Will is a guy that he is able to design for guys, but it's just something that we did not think about early on. (laughs) I can also design for guys as a female. However, I'm letting him take on this project because he's a little closer with Hunter and has a little more time on his hands. I love that you said that, Emily. That's true. That's probably very true. I appreciate and I repent of my sexism. (laughs) It's okay. I just want to call that out for a second. But it is something to think about when you're thinking about your audiences. You want to make sure that your branding feels universal enough to appeal to a large range of people. But that when you have specific segments that you are really interested in targeting, like make them feel like they're appreciated by focusing on what they want and focusing on products that are interesting to them. Yeah. Excellent point. Josh, any last questions or thoughts? Well, yes, but it would just be redundant because I'm just going to have to go back and listen to the podcast to get my questions answered. So (laughs) great job, Emily. I'm looking forward to listening to what I missed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Josh, I just want to say we appreciate you here, whether you're late or not. I would late from now on. I want to remind everybody that Josh is the host of the Movie Proposal podcast, which you can hear each week. What's going on with the Movie Proposal podcast these days? Well, we do. uh, We only do it about twice a month, but you can listen to the same one over and over again, you know, every week if you want. Uh, We actually, I was about to uh, post some stuff later today. We are going to watch Mank, M-A-N-K, Mank, it's the new uh, David Fincher film on Netflix. It comes out December 4th. It is about the screenwriter of the movie Citizen Kane. I, I don't know. It looks fantastic. It has Gary Oldman, and it's made by David Fincher, so that's all I care about. So we'll be viewing that. 
Uh, Tenant uh, was in theaters. It will now be digitally released. So we're going to re review Tenant. That's Christopher Nolan's film. And then Pixar has got a film coming out Christmas Day, which will probably be the next one after that. So check out those movies. We'll be reviewing those in the weeks to come. Hey, speaking of a couple of movies, since you just brought up Pixar, I just watched the story of Pixar. Have you watched that? Is that the series or the movie? Uh, uh, no, it is a series, I think. And it's the story of Pixar. It's on Netflix. And it was fascinating to me how it all started and what it was like. Are you talking about Disney Plus? Because Disney Plus is a series that came out. Um... No, that's, I think, the, in, the Disney series about how Disney came out. No? All right. Well, I'm sure there's a hey, movie. You know, we have a, we have a button pushing guy who can look this up. It's called the story of Pixar. But the other, thing I wanted, I, I, the other thing I want to tell you is I just watched something that you reviewed a while back called the peanut butter Falcon. Oh, that's oh good. it's so good. Oh, it's my a good movie. Gosh, it is such a good movie. And it's based on a true story and crazy crazy and have you done hillbilly elegy yet no uh it has not come up uh but there's been a lot of controversy around it which made me curious so now, now i'm i wasn't interested in seeing it but now i'm curious so i'll, I'll well, probably check it out it's interesting because i was curious as well i didn't even know there was controversy but i watched it last weekend and i will have to say growing up in the rural south where there are a lot of similar issues that movie rang very true to me and i was very um i don't know very challenged to think about a whole bunch of things in watching that film and it was it was very gut-wrenching and um I thought it was a, a an incredible film, so I do think you ought to review it. It definitely has some controversy around it, controversy around it, which I do think is kind of silly. But all right, good. All so, right, so what is it? I think what you watched, Christian, is the Pixar story, which is yes. a 2007 documentary documenting the history of Pixar. Now they got <laughs> to be where they were in 2007. Obviously not today because that's 13 years ago. Um, but yeah, so I think that's what Christian watched. I can't find anything about Pixar. On Disney Plus, exactly, Josh. I don't know. There, there's a there's a it's a brand new series. I I downloaded it for my trip, but I wasn't able to watch it. It's uh, is it the one about the Imagineers? Are you thinking? Yes, because there's one all about the Imagineers on Disney Plus. Oh, that is it's fantastic. so good. It's so good. <laughs> that is good. That's not it. Is the Pixar story on Netflix? Was I right? Yes, it's on Netflix. Okay, cool. I. I don't know that anybody cares about any of this stuff that we're talking about, but it is sure fun to talk about it. So, so um, inside Pixar, is that what you're thinking of, Josh? Inside what? Pixar? Inside Pixar on yep. Disney Plus? Yep. Okay. Oh, I have to watch that next. So they look like they're quarter hour episodes. So like 15 minutes and it's looks like it follows a single person from Pixar through different pieces of right. uh, in each episode. So, yeah. Well, uh, I can't wait to listen to the next Movie Proposal podcast. Emily, I am so thankful that you are still on our team. You've been such an incredible blessing. Thank you for sharing your expertise here today. Jason, thank you for being the button-pushing guy and giving us your information. Uh, I always do tell everybody, if you want to learn more about The Girl Who Wore Freedom, go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Uh, there are some cool items in our shop, which does help us. We are still looking for donations, and we've been posting LinkedIn job uh, opportunities. So if you're interested in helping us out, check us out on LinkedIn. 
So that's about it, Josh. Awesome. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening and showing up on time to <laughs> the documentary first, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.